There is no secret formula for better customer service. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can easily support and grow your customer base. Secrets out, everybody. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. What's going on, everyone? It's Friday, November 4th. I'm Zachary Crockett here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. On today's episode, we're talking about Juliet's favorite thing in the world, dental insurance. But before your eyes glaze over, stick with us. This industry is full of shady business, and there also may be some interesting things coming down the pipe that could affect how much you pay for premiums. Juliet's going to drill into that. But before we get into that, a couple quick headlines in tech and business. A Twitter update, Elon Musk now reportedly plans to cut almost 4,000 jobs at Twitter. That's about half the company. And that's an effort to, in his words, cut costs. You know, just throwing this out there, but another great way to cut costs may have been not overpaying for Twitter by like $20 billion. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Stripe and Lyft are both laying off around 13 to 14% of their own workforces. And Amazon is also pausing hiring for its corporate workforce. After a long dip in business, airlines are finally profitable, and pilots and other airline workers around the nation are asking for pay raises and better schedules. Airlines are in the process of negotiating new contracts with those workers, and so far, conversations reportedly haven't gone so great. Pilots at United, Delta, and Southwest have all rejected proposed deals. WhatsApp launched Communities. That's a discussion feature for groups of up to 1,024 people. Uh, I have no idea how that's going to work. I can barely keep up with my group text that has like six people in it, but we'll see what happens there. And OpenAI released the DALI API for public beta, giving companies the ability to integrate the AI image generator into their products. That API is going to charge per image. Just a quick note here, here on the HubSpot Podcast Network, we've got this great opportunity for emerging creators. It's called the Accelerator Program. Now, we've had a great first cohort of creators, and we're adding 10 new shows to our network. These shows cover all sorts of interesting topics in depth, and we're really excited to say that this new addition to the HubSpot Podcast Network is our most forward-thinking and diverse cohort yet. So keep an eye out for new shows like Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture, Aug Mentors, Inclusion and Marketing, and The Product Boss. If you'd like to learn more, you can find a link in our show notes. All right, back to the scheduled programming. All right, Juliet, (laughs) this is something you and I talk about a lot outside of the podcast, Mm -hmm. but dental insurance, a very frustrating, very confusing thing for a lot of people. And this industry has a particular issue with transparency, right? Yes. So if I can take you on a little journey. So when I was like a teenager, early 20s, maybe 1920. I had this root canal that was like a a big problem. It had to be done twice. All these things just kept happening with it. Mm -hmm. And very recently, it became a problem again. So when I went to the root canal specialist, she looked at my insurance card and she said, oh, your insurance is special in a way (laughs) that indicated she did not like it. Okay. And so that root canal ended up also failing. And I went to another specialist to just have the entire tooth extracted. And then they were like, oh, your insurance doesn't cover bone grafting. And I was like, man, why is everyone like ragging on my insurance? 
And why doesn't it cover bone grafting? Mm -hmm. So I just Googled my insurance, which is Delta Dental of Massachusetts. And I ended up finding that there was a ballot initiative in Massachusetts to change a few things about dental insurance in the state, Mm. which I never would have known about because I live in California. Unless I Googled what is up with this, like, why do all these people keep making comments to me about my insurance during this process? So before we get into what's going down in Massachusetts, explain to us how medical insurance typically works. There's certain things that they have to report, right? So with the Affordable Care Act, health insurers must meet a minimum medical loss ratio of 80%. Now, what that means is medical loss ratio is the percentage of premium revenue spent on medical claims or improvement to care versus everything else, admin costs, profit, et cetera. Mm. Massachusetts actually has a higher rate of MLR for the health insurers in that state. If a health insurer does not meet the minimum MLR, they must issue rebates to patients. Mm. Now, that's never a lot of money. This year's rebates are expected to total about a billion dollars, and that'll come out to about $128 per subscriber. And what is the minimum MLR? So for health insurance nationally, it's 80%. 80%. So let me make sure I have this right. So basically, insurance companies have to spend 80% of their revenue on medical claims yes. and keep their administrative costs and profit to only 20%. That is correct. If it's over that amount, they have to refund those amounts back to us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Gotcha. Now, that varies based on state. It also varies based on the size of the insurer. So individual and small group carriers, they have 80%. So it's at least 80% for everybody. Large group plans, the requirement is 85%. States can set their own requirements. But basically, yes, you have to spend the bulk of what you make from the premiums that people pay you on medical care. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So that brings us to Massachusetts. <laughs> yes. And that brings us to dental insurance, which dental insurers do not have a minimum MLR. Hmm. They can do whatever they want. And we don't even know, for the most part, what their MLLs are because only California and Maine require annual reports. Hmm. So Massachusetts on the ballot this election, question two, a yes vote would set a minimum MLR of 83% for Massachusetts dental insurers, and it would also require them to share financial data. If passed, it would be the first such law for dental insurance in the United States. Wow, what a huge ask to ask uh, dental insurers to actually report (laughs) their freaking numbers. Right? Okay, so this is actually crazy. So, So just to reiterate, dental insurers are not required to have any minimum MLR. They don't have to spend that 80% on medical claims. And on top of that, they don't even have to report any numbers. Yep. We don't okay. we don't really know for the most part what people are spending. California requires it. I believe I was reading most plans are in the 70% range. Mm. You know, but some are bad, some are worse. The Committee on Dental Insurance Quality, they are proponents of this ballot initiative. And they mm. assert, and I believe this is in the ballot book, that in 2019, Delta Dental of Massachusetts, that's my insurance, this is a big insurer in the state of Massachusetts, paid $177 million for its patient care, but spent $328 million on executive bonuses, commissions, and payments to affiliates. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. That is where they're getting upset. Wow. All right. So people are kind of split on this new initiative that's unfolding to bring more transparency to dental care. On the one side, you have dentists. And on the other side, you have dental insurers. What are the dentists saying here? 
So dentists, they say that patients have a right to know where the money they're paying is going. Mm -hmm. I spoke with Dr. Andrew Tonelli. He's a dentist. He's also the spokesperson for Massachusetts Dental Care Providers for Better Dental Benefits. Mm -hmm. Big title there. Basically, he described it as a baseline protection. What he told me was if a patient walks into my chair and they have dental insurance, I can at least rest assured that they're getting a reasonable deal. Mm -hmm. you know, and he was also telling me, you know, dental insurance, the term is kind of a, a misnomer. It's really a, a benefit that we get through our employers and a lot of them max out. I think 1500 2000 is generally pretty common. And if you have significant dental work in the course of a year, you may very easily meet that threshold. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you're talking about your particular insurer spending double the amount on exec bonuses as they are in patient care, kind of antithetical to <laughs> the proposed value add of insurance in the first place. Right. So the dentists you talk to are in favor of this. Mm -hmm. Who's opposed to this? Who's fighting that? Uh, it may surprise you to know that the dental insurers <laughs> do not want wow. to be held to a minimum MLR or report their financial What's the time. rationale there? So dental insurers, their whole thing is they claim premiums would increase for the consumer some citing as much as 38%, although to be fair, that was a study commissioned by a trade group for dental insurers. So hmm. the dentists are like, well, that's your own study, you know. All right. <laughs> and then the financial data that we do have is from IRS tax forms that they had to fill out. So, you know, we know a little, but we don't know a lot. There's a lot mm -hmm. that's like kind of really murky here. For kind of a neutral viewpoint, I looked at an analysis from Evan Horowitz. He's the executive director for the Center of State Policy Analysis at Tufts University. Mm -hmm. He found that question, too. The information is a little thin, and, and a lot of that is because, like, we have some information from tax forms from California, from states that require financial reporting data, but we don't have a lot. So we really don't know at what point we're even starting from, what the MLRs are right now and how right. close or far these insurers are from meeting them. But his analysis found that likely not a lot would happen right off the bat if this were to pass. It wouldn't transform the dental insurance industry. There would maybe be price increases, but they would not be particularly high. Most patients probably wouldn't even notice them. Mm -hmm. His analysis also stated a couple of different things that might happen, ways that dental insurers might make sure they're meeting this MLR. The one thing they could do is they could lower monthly premiums. So now they're taking in less money. They have less to pay out. They could streamline operations, so they're spending less on administrative costs. They could reduce their profits. I'm sure they don't want to do that. Or they could pay more in dental claims. That could mean covering more procedures. Mm. Maybe like my bone graft. That would like be great. Like your bone graft, yeah. <laughs> yes. Or, and maybe this is why dentists want it, they could allow dentists to bill higher prices. Mm. So when it comes down to us, the consumers just trying to have healthy mouth bones, which for some reason are a different insurance than our other bones, maybe we wouldn't notice anything right off the bat. But Horowitz said the financial reporting, that would help us understand the market better. And that would help when making future laws around solving problems for patients and participants. This is all really nuts. <laughs> you know, I, I know this can get dry and boring for a lot of people out there talking about insurance. But when you start digging into issues like this, you just find egregious things. And you know, all of this jargon and complexity and boring stuff is in there for a reason. You know, not to get too conspiratorial, but people's eyes do glaze over at this stuff and it mm -hmm. makes it easier for insurers to kind of get away with murder. Right. Even when I was talking to Dr. Andrew Tonelli, he was like, oh, I can't imagine what it's like if you're not somebody who's immersed in this world to have to right. go digging through all of this stuff. And like, yeah, it's boring and it's 
dense. And mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing that I think we just accept. You know, they say your insurance will only cover this much. Or right. Your insurance says they won't cover this because this person is out of network, even though they work at the hospital that's in network <laughs> and they have the license that we like. There's just right. so much. And we kind of just accept it because digging deep and getting the actual answer is so difficult. And it's so convoluted that even when you call insurance companies, sometimes they don't understand, or at least they pretend not to understand. <laughs> yeah. Like you'll yeah. ask a very basic question. I'll just be like, ah, oh, I don't know. I've never heard that term. I don't know what that is. I don't know what a form mm-hmm. 995 is. I don't know what this is. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've had situations where I have had to fax in a super bill. <laughs> and then in the year 2022, I had yeah. to fax in a super bill. Yeah. And then like four weeks later, I'll get a letter in the mail that's like, your claim is denied. And then I'll have to like talk to you. I don't know how many people to get to someone who can explain it. And they're like, oh, yeah, the thing is that person doesn't have the correct license. They need a this license. But then in California, no, they don't. But my insurance is Massachusetts. And then I just uh, give up and want to explode into a thousand bats because <laughs> um, like, I just yeah. don't get it. Yeah. Well, behind that frustration, a lot of money is being funneled into dental insurers' pockets. Yes. And they are spending quite a bit of it lobbying against this bill, which, hmm. you know, maybe that's a clue. <laughs> yeah. But again, just to reiterate one more time what you found with one insurer, Delta Dental of Massachusetts, paying out $328 million in executive bonuses and only 177 on patient care. They're spending two times as much on executive bonuses alone as, than they are on actually treating patients. Right. And, you know, given the murky information, like this is all coming from the Committee on Dental Insurance Quality. And even with them saying that, even with being able to find this information in ballotpedia where people go to get information about Mm -hmm. the ballot, like, I still don't know exactly what these numbers mean. Like, you say executive bonuses, commissions, and payments to affiliates. How does that break down? Who are these people? Why are they getting this money? Like, I I just, it's still so confusing. So where are you today with that dental procedure? Oh, well, today I have a big hole where my molar used to be. I'm actually really impressed by the human body's ability to just like grow gum over a hole. That is amazing. Good for us. <laughs> yeah, that's the takeaway from this. It no longer hurts because the root canal that was improperly done over a decade ago is resolved hmm. by just getting rid of the entire tooth. And the next step is to put a screw in and then an implant, which you may be interested to know may not fully or even at all be covered Jeez. with our dental insurance. <laughs> okay. Well, insurance, gotta love it. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to do it for us today, everyone. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. More tech and business coverage. If you want it, go check out our newsletter. It's at thehustle.co slash email. Until then, we'll see you next week.